0: Host of the Prudent Money Radio Show, heard daily on Bible School Radio, 91.3 KDKR, Decatur, Dallas, Fort Worth, and on 91.3 KYJC Commerce. Portions of KDKR programming do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or staff. Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3. Well, how to avoid being a scam victim? Today, we're going to take a look. Stay tuned for Prudent Money. and you are listening to the prudent money radio show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Listen, if you need to get help with a question, need a question answered, uh, looking at a uh, financial situation trying to trying to figure things out, I got a couple resources for you. The first one is go to prudentmoney.com and check out the website. There's a lot of information there, but there's also an ask bob section that you can send an email in, we'll get you taken care of. Now, sometimes it's not that easy. There's a complicated situation. Uh, Maybe you're trying to figure out a risk level or maybe you're trying to figure out if you've got your 401k invested the way that you want. Whatever it might be, you can send a, uh, you can go to the the, uh, portion of the website that has my calendar on it and you can pick a time for a phone call and we can give a do, take a little bit more time to answer your question that way as well. So there's a couple of ways to get information. All at prudentmoney.com. Had some questions come in yesterday regarding the story that I did on CEOs and the CEOs dumping uh, dumping company stock, selling company stock. And I wanted to make sure that that you understood the significance of this, because it, and a lot of it comes down to whether or not that I explained it well enough. i'm I'm sure. But I wanted to give it another shot and talk a little bit about it so that you understand the significance of what it might mean. Jamie Diamond is the CEO of JP. Morgan Chase. And just recently, he sold $150 million worth of stock. Now, this is the for Jamie Dimon. This is the very first time that he's ever done a stock sale like this. And if somebody that is a higher up, such a you know C-level executive, or is uh, they have to report if they're selling uh, company stock. He says he is cautious about everything. He also gave—I think—he also gave a a uh, a reason, that something about family estate planning. But this is significant, not because that. He, well, it's significant because he sold the stock, but it's significant because Jamie Dimon, unlike a lot of CEOs, is very much connected to the Federal Reserve and connected to the White House. So one would assume that Jamie Dimon knows a little bit more that's going on that most people don't know. And the question that comes up is, is Jamie Dimon selling stock because he does know something or see something that has him concerned? And would motivate him to go through this the process of selling a hundred and fifty million dollars worth of stock. Back last year, and this just this seems like a long time ago, but it was just last year, First Republic Bank uh, was taken over by the FDIC. The bank had failed. And if you'll recall the government acted swiftly, and they, I mean, unbelievable. They, not just what the FDIC would guarantee in a, in a bank failure, the government guaranteed everything. Everybody was restored, which still, to me, kind of went uh, unnoticed, went unreported in the, in, the, uh, in, in the media. But who did they call? To come in and clean up the mess, they called Jim, uh, Jamie Dimon. And First Republic Bank ended up being the second largest bank failure in history, next to what happened to Washington Mutual when they when they went under during the 2008 financial crisis. And it and what's interesting is. The uh, J.P. Morgan Chase just took over First Republic branches that took over everything. In fact, there was, uh, I believe this is correct, that there were branches that were already turned into J.P. Morgan by, by Monday, just two days later. So it's safe to say that Jamie Dimon knows a few things. And he had, and he is selling stock now. So this is significant. It's it's not a positive. I don't don't look at it as a positive. It lo, it would be more of a, a negative. This is the world's Chase is the world's largest bank, f- over four trillion dollars in assets. I think Jamie Dimon's got access to information we probably don't have access to, which doesn't necessarily make it right. But uh, and they have laws against that. But he, he, of course, he followed the the rules, and uh, dumped a lot of stock, hundred fifty million dollars worth. So it begs the question: What does he know that we don't know? And uh, I guess we'll we'll find out at some point. But it is. I wanted to go back over that just to make sure that you caught the significance of uh, of what he what he did just goes in this also this past month, Jeff Bezos, Amazon.com or Amazon, Leon Black, a former head private equity firm, CEO, very, very wealthy man, of course, Jamie Dimon and the Walton family, which is Walmart, have now sold a combined $11 billion dollars. In company stock, this month. So it makes you wonder, what's uh, what's going on. But I, de- I definitely want to go over that again, just so that to make sure that you caught the significance of that. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thanks so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Well, do you know what March seventh is? March seventh is. National Slam the Scam Day, and uh, this on that day throughout the year, we they give the Social Security Office gives you the tools to recognize social security related scams and uh, stop scammers from stealing your money and personal information. The, the The scams that are associated with Social Security are probably most damaging because they're probably the easiest to pull off even though the IRS scams are probably pretty easy to pull off as well the Social Security scams are a little bit more consumer friendly and uh, and, and also you think about the value of Social Security for a lot of people that it's it's easier to scam people and so they they, print, uh, they printed with this uh, with this email they sent out, "Scam alert. Watch out. Scammers are targeting everyone." And I thought it would be good to go over this because you know, scammers are repeating scams and doing, and doing this and getting away with it because they are getting away with it. And this is the problem. So obviously, they pretend to be from an agency or organization you know. They pressure you to act immediately. Now, if you get something from the IRS in the mail that says, we're going to do this, you have up until you know, 30 days to act, that's not pressuring immediately. We're talking to doing something today to take care of the problem. Uh, Social Security, IRS does not do that. The next thing is they tell you to pay in a specific way. And that is uh, through gift cards and, and uh, cryptocurrency, wire transfer, money transfer, mailing cash. I mean, who, when is the, I can you even imagine the Social Security or IRS ma- asking you to mail cash. But it's all hard to trace type uh, uh, currencies. And what's interesting is the gift card has become a big one. They uh, they give the advice to hang up, ignore, message, do not click on links or attachments. And uh, they also talk about remaining calm. And it always reminds me of a story I was doing with attorney Dean Malone. Now this this was 10, 15 years ago. And we were talking, we, he would come in because he used to, part of his practice was uh, centered around dealing with with debt collectors and debt collectors are great. at stirring up emotion and fear. And so we, this is back when we were broadcasting from five to 5.30 and we went through a, a program. I went home that night and the phone rang and I answered it and it was a debt collector trying to talk to my wife about a debt that she clearly didn't owe because she never lived in Kansas City or where it was from, and I, and, and had in knowing better, I let these guys push my buttons, and I uh, couldn't believe it when I got finally got off the phone. I thought I actually fell for the pressure and the fear that they were trying to create. So it's easy to get there, but you got to remain calm and uh, just once again hang up or ignore the message. But especially if you get that that um, email that asks you to click through a link. Be extremely careful and don't click through the link. I think that's probably how most of these scams are really started. This is Bob Brooks. We were up against a break. Stick around. i will be right back. this is Bob Brooks. Proverbs 22.3 and Proverbs 27.12 are the exact same verse word for word. I call them the stewardship verses of risk. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. On the Prudent Money Radio Show, we teach about risk, how to identify it, how to figure it out, and what to do about it. We believe that to be a prudent steward, you have to be a good risk manager. Listen to the Prudent Money Radio Show on Bible School Radio 91.3. Prudent Money, home of the modern day steward movement. Enjoy KDKR, wherever you go on all your devices with the free Live 365 app. Just download Live 365 from your App Store and search for KDKR Bible School Radio. Dr. Charles Stanley. When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Jesus Christ came into your life through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it is the will and purpose of God that He live through you and me. It is His life, not our life. The teaching of Dr. Charles Stanley on In Touch, helping you grow in Christ every day. In Touch weekdays at 12:30 here on KDKR. Welcome back. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. One of the things I like to do on Thursday is kind of get caught up on things we talked about, things we need to maybe talk about it again, make sure there's a lot of clarity. And this was one of those questions we talked about yesterday. And so I'm glad to be able to, to kind of readdress it again. And it's it's the classic, I've accumulated this amount of debt and I don't know what to do. And I talked a little bit about this yesterday and I want to expand on it today because I think it's very important and it's obviously a problem that so many people are going through today, and that is what to do with high interest rate debt. And, you know, the the problem that comes along with trying to solve these these, uh, debt issues is that there's limited advice that can be given. Because the main problem that we have is that interest rates are just skyrocketed and way too high i had somebody on the program once that that tried to convince me that you know credit cards were a much needed part of the economy even even though the fact that interest rates are so high i would agree with that to a certain to to you know in in, in some ways but, but in most ways the problem is the greed of the credit card companies and i think that you're going to see just a lot of people bail on credit card debt because they're going to look at it, which I don't think is the right thing to do, but they're going to look at it and they're just going to say, I give up. I don't know, I don't know how. I can barely make these minimum payments, and most of this, this minimum payments going to interest. It's not even going to clear the debt. I get the fact that, you, that 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 would make you and put you in a position that you just want to give up. I totally get that, but that's, I don't believe that's the answer. But it is what we're up against when it comes down to getting out of debt. So the key is to minimize interest rate risk. Probably the best place to go is uh, equity in your home, and so you definitely want to you want to find out and check that avenue out first to make sure that you can't use a home equity loan or something like that. That's a that ends up most cases being a good. Idea and a source of lower interest rates. The next thing that you've got to do is you've got to, even though interest rates may not be where you want them, be honest with yourself, put a, pay, a payoff plan together so that you know it's going to take this amount of time to get to, to pay off the debt. Now, here's a couple of things that, that work in your favor when it comes to setting up a payoff plan even though you don't like the results even though that you don't like how long it's gonna take but executing a payoff plan is that the longer that you do it the longer that you stay current you do a couple things for yourself first of all you you develop and reinforce a habit and increase your focus on what you're trying to accomplish which I think is extremely important number two you create a better situation for your finances the more that you contribute to your plan. So, said another way, the more that you contribute to your plan, even though it's even though you're paying way too much in interest, you're still knocking those balances down, and there comes a point that your credit score may start to improve. I mean, it'll definitely start to improve at some point, but it may shock you that, it, uh, that it'll happen a lot quicker than you might think. So as that credit score goes up, then there's options that open up at lower rates. And even then, uh, you know, you're still 17. I, the, about the best rates that I've seen is just 15 to 17%, something like that. But still, that's better than uh, being in the 20s. It makes a very big difference. So the, so the more that you knock that debt out, even though it's taking a lot longer than you want to, the better your credit score gets, the better your credit reports get, and uh, most importantly, you still you develop that habit of you setting a goal out there and trying to accomplish it. And think of it this way: let's say that you're paying a thousand or twelve hundred dollars a month on credit card debt or whatever it might be, and you get that that debt paid off. Now you've got twelve hundred dollars that you've. Gotten become uh, used to spending to pay off debt, and you can start saving that money, and start developing a a better retirement plan or whatever wherever you're seeing a gap. But it's just it's just a habit that you can continue on. Now negotiated agreements. There's a a lot of a lot of debt debt counseling companies. A lot of debt repair. A lot of uh, debt consolidation companies that will tell you, you know, you've accumulated all, you've accumulated all this debt, just pick up the phone, call 1-800-get-out-of-debt. That's not a real company. And we will we'll get your, your uh, interest rates cut way, way down. We'll get your payments cut in half, your debt cut in half. And it just doesn't work that easily. In fact, that... What I would suggest is, and I wrote about it in my book *Deceptive Money*, is that it increases the problems more. So, the chances of it increasing the problems more so than fixing the problems is—it's uh, just a greater probability. I do know of people who do this for a living that uh, that do it in a in a way that, and it's not nothing's foolproof, but it's probably a better way of negotiating. A, uh, a a payment, but it's still it's not a it's it's not a good process. It's a process that if if you have to go through it, make sure that you're going through it that with somebody that you can trust, who's not just pulling a scam or anything like that and taking your taking your money because it can be a messy, uh, probably will be a messy process. Uh, but you know it sometimes. Uh, if 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 it gets to that situation and you feel a piece about it, do everything you can to pay that off without having to go through a negotiated agreement. Yeah, you know everything goes goes into uh, uh, collections. It's just a it's just an absolute mess. And one of the things that these debt these uh, debt consolidation companies will tell you is that they will prevent you from being sued, which is not true. In fact, there's a in my research and writing the book "Accepted Money, which been, uh, was back in 2009, and it's interesting how relatable the vast majority of that book is still today, that's why I even bring it up, is that, well, I can't remember what I was going to say. But anyway, <laughs> uh, got a little blob radio. But anyway, uh, the, oh, I know what I was going to say, is that these, these companies, what they will do to make you believe that there is no, there's no hope at all. And uh, when this is not even true, and, I, and I've, I've written about it and broken down a lot of these, a lot of these actual contracts that people would get from these debt, consolid, uh, debt consolidation companies and where and they're really kind of, they're basically they're ripping you off. But just remember though, as you increase the money that goes into paying off the uh, score and decrease the balances of the of the debt, the better off your credit score gets and the better off your credit score gets, the better your options get in maybe reducing those interest rates. And here's the thing is that the, the Federal Reserve Board will for sure at some point start to reduce Interest rates. I don't think it's going to be anytime soon, but at some point they will. Does that mean that credit cards are going to decrease their interest rates? Well, if you think about it, and this is what is really frustrating, I think, for most, for most, uh, for most consumers, if the average interest rate on a on a credit card balance is twenty four percent. 24, 25, depending on who you who you follow, the average interest rate, which is just unbelievable. Then, if the if the Federal Reserve Board lowered interest rates, you know, five percent, that would still that still puts just barely a dent into what credit cards are charging. And I'll tell you this as we kind of wrap things up, that if there's one thing that you can do, because I, I get this question a lot about you know, what, what are some of the tips that I can give my, give my kids, and that is to teach them about credit cards, teach them about debt, put them, you know, while you have them at home in high school, while you still have some control in, in college, if, if they go that route, get them a credit card and monitor the activity and make sure that they're developing good habits it sh- it should be used as a financial as you know it should be used as a financial ad- uh, device transactions only not to accumulate and uh, explain to them what high interest high interest rates mean and make sure that they have a good idea of how this works I know that when when I, I went to Baylor and when I was in college, the uh, credit boom had just started, and we would be and you've, if you were if you were in college back then during uh, during the 80s, you you remember getting these credit cards in the mail, and practically just giving them to you to run up, and if you if you got behind on your payment or anything like that just sends you a really nice thank you note and request for payment so very different day but make sure your kids are up up the curve this is Bob Brooks if you got a question for me please go to the website at prudentmoney.com and send it in because we are all out of time till we do meet again next time keep the faith and have a great rest of the day